oh, I think it would be so great. It's just, Ireland is so pretty. It's just, and you go from the country all the way to um, the gritty kind of underbelly of Dublin. So you get this like juxtaposition from that like nighttime inner city vibe to the daytime, beautiful rolling hills and trees. And mm, it, would so, it, would, it would be so pretty. Fingers crossed that all of this stuff gets turned into yeah. things on the screen. <laughs> yeah. I need to go make a vision board. Yeah. See if I can yeah. get exactly. stuff done. Hello. Hello. We are back for another week. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Well, we can hop right into our regular question. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, I have water and a, a beer, lemon lime, like seltzer. Okay, so it's not really a beer. Yeah, but like. <laughs> <laughs> I was very shook if when you said beer. I was like, what? As close as we're going to get. <laughs> Um, I also have water, and it is in my Pennywise glass. And then I have a red wine cocktail that I created that is also in a Halloween glass, which you can, like, kind of see the pumpkin face. Yeah. Did you just throw stuff together, or did you actually have recipe? I just threw stuff together. Mm, that's how I like it. <laughs> It's literally red wine and ginger ale and some bitters. <laughs> Good. It's all right. It's alcohol. Yeah. It made me feel better about making such a large red wine um, in this cup. I was like, I need to put something else in it. I can't just fill the whole entire cup with red wine. I guess. <laughs> um, okay, well... As we promised you guys last week, we have a special episode this week. So we have a guest at the end of the episode, yeah. uh, Miss B.B. Easton. We'll talk more about her later. Uh, so because of that, we are going to dive right into our shows and skip personal stories and pop culture this week. Because I have no personal stories this week. <laughs> I sh am sure I have some if I thought about it, but I didn't feel like thinking about it. <laughs> um, except for I made a lot of TikToks yesterday. I made one TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spent probably like two hours doing TikTok stuff. Talking to yourself, basically. Uh-huh. Talking to yourself, basically. Yes. Yes, and and books. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to talk about um, Tell Me Lies or um, The Patient first? Um, the Patient. Okay. Sorry, I just put a cheese at my mouth. So hungry. <laughs> um, they have extra cheesy cheeses, by the way. Like, are they actually extra cheesy, or do they yes. taste extra cheesy? No, they're actually extra cheesy. Is it better than regular? Yes. Oh, okay. 
I mean, I am partial to the extra toasty um, <laughs> Cheez-Its because I like them a little toasty, but these extra cheesy ones are really good because they also have like the occasional toasty one in there, like in regular Cheez-Its, <laughs> and then there's cheese on top of it. Yeah. So I'm like, this is amazing. You need to write them and have them make like an extra cheesy, extra toasty box. I just thought about that yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, now they just need to combine the two and it needs to just be called Cheez-Its Extra. <laughs> you should, you could be like um, everyone who's getting their own like meals at the fast food restaurants. That could be your Cheez-It box. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whenever I become a famous author and screenwriter, I'm going to sponsor Cheez-Its <laughs> and have my own box. <laughs> <laughs> your trailer at all times yeah yeah <laughs> um okay so the patient how do you feel about it so far in the first four episodes so many episodes um I like it me too I, so this is another show slash movie that I didn't really read the synopsis on I just kind of saw a few of the previews and ignored the rest of it and then just like dove in so I didn't really know that he was gonna like like murdering people <laughs> I didn't know like yeah. what the patient was or like what he did or like why he was a patient so that made me happy but I had a feeling there was murder in there somewhere because that's why I watched it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I watched one trailer when it first like dropped on Hulu and so I saw the trailer and I was like "Ooh, this seems really good and really creepy so I'm going to just save it and not watch it right now because it was like dark when I saw it. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm not going to watch this right now. It seems too scary. I'm not in the mood. Um, which, by the way, my sister just told me earlier this week that she saw Smile. And my sister hates scary movies. I'm surprised that she watched that. I also like saw a disclaimer on TikTok about that movie yesterday. Yeah, I saw, I'm, I'm pretty sure we probably saw the same thing. Probably. Which, I mean... It was talking about like mental health and stuff, but yeah. I feel like if you see any part of that trait, first of all, scary movies in general, if you have mental health issues, you should probably like be cautious. But yeah. if you see the trailer, a smile, it looks fucking creepy. So I would yeah. definitely stay away from it if I was like even a little bit scary, but I definitely want to see that movie. Yeah. Well, you know how I'm like weird with scary stuff. Um, yeah. so I know part exactly of me, scary. Huh? What? I'm like, that one's really scary just like their smiles I feel like you would see that when you went to sleep yeah yeah that's why I was like that one I like kind of want to see it just for I don't because obviously when I, I write scary stuff it's good to consume that type of material to help yeah uh, with world building and seeing like what works and what doesn't work but that one I don't know I just don't know if I can like stand it like I would I would have to have somebody spend the night and my sister was like I'll watch it again and spend the night with you and I was like you liked it that much and she hates scary movies like she used to love horror movies and then she said after she got pregnant she like could not watch scary stuff anymore but then she goes and sees smile of all scary movies maybe it wasn't that scary maybe it's just like creepy but like I don't know because I mean their smiles are like kind of animated and extra so maybe it doesn't yeah. seem as real yeah I don't know we'll see I I like gandered through <laughs> um is that a word or am I thinking about meander um you can gander so I guess you I guess you can make it past tense. 
<laughs> I gandered through the Halloween like specials on Hulu yesterday because they have like the, the Huluween channel and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of them just seem too scary. Like I almost was like, I'm going to watch Hotel Transylvania because that seems like my, my speed. <laughs> no, you need to watch them. They're so good. And there, I've seen um, some of them that are in there, but I've already like watched so many of those scary movies already. Yeah. Which it's, it's literally insane to me how my brain works because I love spooky season. I love scary, like scary stuff, but it really takes a lot for me to like sit through a scary movie. Which is crazy because they're so good. But now I can read uh, horror books. Like I've read a, a ton since I think last year. I've read a bunch and the scary books, like horror, straight up horror novels are like, I have no problem reading those. It's just watching stuff that freaks me out. Well, maybe you need to watch movies with your eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> or just, just, take the, just take the music out because that's what makes things really scary. Yeah, because you know like something's coming. Yeah. Um, but all that to say, the patient is... <laughs> uh, it's So it scared me when I saw the trailer, but I was like, no, I'm going to watch it. I love Steve Carell. I love... Um, uh, what is his name? I know his last name is Dommel. Mike, Martin, Marvin, no. Jeffrey, Josh. No, that's like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> uh, let me see. Probably why I thought of Jeffrey. <laughs> so popular right now. Uh, yes. Spoiler, that's going to be one of our shows. Yes, it has to be. Uh, Dommel is his first name, not his last name. Oh, well. <laughs> it's Dommel Gleason. Oh. Um, so I love both of those actors so I was like yeah I'm gonna watch this I haven't seen like I've seen Steve Carell and like kind of serious stuff like um what is the one where he's getting the divorce from his wife um and it's with Ryan Gosling I don't remember what it's called but I think I saw it yeah he's he was like kind of serious in that but this is like a different level of seriousness um and so I was definitely excited to see it just for that reason um I think that one was crazy stupid love was that movie um but he does really good yeah in the show. I like that he's able to go kind of back and forth and do different stuff mm-hmm. he was, like, he's just the silly man and like some people get pigeonholed into a certain character and he was able to step out of that yeah um but with the patient I kind of like it's such a good show and there's very like minimal like actors in it like the majority of it is pretty much like a two-man show Mm -hmm. um but you still feel like you're getting like this whole entire world and it's just two people sitting in a room. Yeah. And it's the same room. The same mm-hmm. little fucking basement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of, I think that's a testament to how good the show is and how good the actors are. Because you don't really need a whole bunch of people. You just need one room, a couple of actors, and they're really fucking good. And you yeah. get a crazy storyline. Yeah. And it's it was almost like when they, the scene shifted to uh, Domino Gleason's character when he went to work. And they're yeah. like out side world and there was like extra actors and stuff I was kind of like no can we go back to the I want to go back to the other place Um, like I like getting the backstory of him but also I don't need that much of it yeah yeah um so 
what do you think about his like relationship with his mom and his mom knowing that um, <sighs> Steve Carell's character is downstairs? Oh, I knew that she was going to know that he's there. Like she, I, I just felt like he seems like a little, like a mama's boy who like always goes to his mom for all this stuff. And like, uh, kind of like uh, the character in, um, uh, big sky mm. it was like really close to his mom and like she kind of knows he's crazy Ronald yes I kind of got the same feel from him yeah and, uh, she I, I mean I don't obviously I don't like it because you're like enabling your child you know that he's gonna go out and murder people and you know that he has the feeling to do so and that he's done it before so it's dumb <laughs> but yeah. I can understand her not wanting to turn her child into custody as well so it's kind of understandable but also if you're bringing people back to my home at some point we have a problem right um I should have known it was the mom upstairs but I did at first I think because I think I told you my theory that it was actually that Donald Gleason's character was actually not the murderer and the real captor was the one upstairs and Dommel may have had like a um what's that relationship where you like what is it called when you like basically not fall in love but like really trust your captor um Uh, um, uh, what'd you say it was it's not Stockholm syndrome Yes, yes, Stockholm yeah. Syndrome, yes. So I thought maybe it was that kind of situation where Dommel's character had Stockholm Syndrome and he had been there for a while and so he was like doing the bidding for the actual killer. Because um, when it cut off the scene where Steve Carell was just like, hello, I thought it was going to be <laughs> somebody like creepy. Um, but it makes sense also the relationship that it ended up being with the yeah. mom. The way he said hello, I was like, oh, he's not scared. So clearly it's not like a big burly man coming down the stairs or anything. Yeah. Um, and so w- what do you think, have they explained already what happened to his wife? Did she get sick? Um, what did they say? I don't, I don't know. Cause didn't Steve Crow tell him to like go talk to her at some point? To, like make him feel better like think about something else he said like go talk to your wife but, oh no um steve carell's wife oh um i don't remember i don't remember if they mentioned her or not because like, i remember there was one time he was dreaming and he had woken up and she was like dead clutching her <laughs> guitar in the bed next to him yeah and so i think they were alluding that she had died, but I can't remember if, like, something bad happened to her if she got sick. Um, yeah, I don't know if there was much more than that. Since we've only made it through the first four episodes, do you think he's going to kill the guy that he brought and shoved into the closet? I think that he's dumb if he doesn't. <laughs> Because he's gonna get caught. What? <laughs> because he's gonna get caught. Yeah. Like if he lets him go, he's gonna get caught. Like 
he knows what Steve's character looks like. So if anything, he could bring them to him and then, you know, figure out who he is from there if he doesn't see your face. And yeah. He or he could just be in the woods, let him out in the woods somewhere and then find his way back to the house somehow. But yeah. um I don't know. I think he's dumb if he doesn't, but I also think he could get talked out of killing him and letting him go. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think I would like to see him get let go and then like see something spiral and go crazy. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're getting set up for him to let him go, which means, like, I feel like he's probably going to kill him. Um, Because Steve, in the last episode, was making the point of how he didn't see him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think the guy in the closet has heard um, Dommel Gleason's character talk, because he put that... um, noise machine on yeah. and I'm assuming he didn't talk when he was like in the process of kidnapping him mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like he could probably get away with it if he does let him go but I feel like there has to be some sort of murder in this in the season I mean there does there could be a different murder though. could be somebody yeah. else but what I'm thinking is that like Maybe he'll try to let him go, but then something will happen and he'll end up seeing his face and slap into him. Yeah. I think he's going to want to, and then something's going to happen where he doesn't. For some yeah, I thought he was definitely going to go in there and kill him when um, Steve Carell was like, can you turn off that white noise maker? Yeah, I feel like he thought about it because he stood there for like 10 seconds and he's like, mm-hmm, and then just yanked it from the wall. I was like, he's gonna murder him because if he, yeah. I felt like if he went in that room, he was gonna kill him because he yeah. doesn't have self control. Yeah, I'm surprised he had enough self control to get him back to the damn house. Uh, yeah, well, and then I thought it was crazy that Steve Carell tell told him to go, um, see his ex wife. I was like, are you not afraid that he's gonna kill her? <laughs> I think he loves her too much to kill her. I think like if he got pissed off, he would leave. Yeah. But I think he used all of his self-control getting him back to the house and not murdering him that he's going to have to kill him. Yeah. Which I think it's crazy. That's like a very intriguing like thing for me with serial killers is that they typically have at least one person in their life that they like would never kill like they just love them yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm like so you are capable of love yeah of something you like like i feel like i mean everyone needs some type of companionship so they have that one person and it's like everyone else can die <laughs> yeah it's crazy um okay well is there anything else from the patient that you want to talk about except for how much you uh hate that the dunkin donuts cups are empty Oh, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> the worst thing ever. Like, is it on purpose? Is he just like perpetually always out of coffee? Or do they just forget to put like a little bit of water at the bottom? Because it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can hear that it's empty. He picks it up. It's like, 
three drops just slide from side to side. Then he puts it down and it has that stupid empty cup sound. It's dumb. I hate it. <laughs> like they could have gone back in with like one of those um sound people and had them actually put a full cup of coffee down when he does it so that they can like sync the sounds and make it right. And I hate it. They just needed to pay someone to do that. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I've seen a, a TikTok lady who shows you how she does like people's footsteps and stuff and like puts in oh, sound. Yeah, I think so, I've seen that one before. They should have just done gotten her to do cups. <laughs> cups. Um, well, I think it's a Dunkin' Donuts problem because <laughs> um we also because we watched the first four episodes together, me and Elena, and I went and got duncan and they did a terrible awful job like they always do which sucks because i think that duncan donuts coffee like the actual coffee tastes better than starbucks and i will die on that hill (laughs) but when it comes to like the like fancier drinks i guess um then Starbucks is better. Like for me, Dunkin' Donuts is like beer and wine. Like mm-hmm. it's your staple. You can't go wrong with it. It tastes good. But for your cocktails, Starbucks is the way to go. Um, but as far as getting things right the first time and customer service, <laughs> Starbucks is better than Dunkin'. Dunkin' sucks when it comes to that stuff. Well, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did because I sat there and bitched about it for like hours. <laughs> All I know is they need to talk to the people who film the patient and tell them to put coffee in their cups from now on. Yeah. Like provide real. them with coffee while they film so that they can put some in the cup. But you know they put uh, a lot of money into like being a part of that they show this whole tv show <laughs> <laughs> not a scene without a damn duncan cup in it that's hilarious <laughs> and it's like yeah. front center always you always see his hand it's like duncan <laughs> yeah if donald gleason is in the scene which is nine times out of ten yeah then duncan is also in the scene like i really want to know how much money they put into this like <laughs> how did they decide like i want to sponsor this show <laughs> how many Dunkin' Cups can we fit in one TV show? Right. Um. Okay. Well, is there anything else from the patient? Um. No. But oh, there is. I- I'm ready for blood. Like ready someone ready for what? Blood. Oh. Like if he's a murderer, I need blood. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't really like blood. It makes me sick. I mean, you said it. Someone was gonna die. <laughs> but yes I feel like there needs to be some sort of death in this show yeah I need um some climax some excitement because like it's I mean, very interesting but I need like there was the climax when he like brought him in and like slung him into the room and stuff but I need more maybe the death is going to be Steve Carell killing Donald Gleason. What if they both get loose and then they attack Donald Gleason and then they run away? Yeah, because remember, Steve Carell has had lots of like daydreams of stabbing him with various items in the room. Yeah. 
yeah, that might happen. Maybe they're not daydreams. Maybe it's actually happened and we just don't know that it's happened yet. True that. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into Tell Me Lies. All right. I'll tell you some lies. <laughs> I watched this before you, so I hear all of your thoughts. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of lies. Way mm-hmm. more lies than I thought. Way more people lying than I thought. Um, so I just finished the last episode, episode four, today. Yeah. And I was shocked. <laughs> Shook it. By which part? Um, you know, I don't know anyone's name, but the male main character with the shaved head that the two girls are in love with. Yes. Let me look it up. It'll be easier. <laughs> for us to talk if we know their names yes probably but um he his friend was right the even yeah who was his black friend whatever his black friend is the one that's doing art class he was right where he says like he thinks he just lies basically for no reason just for fun yeah because he does because like what are you lying about all the time like he's lying in interviews he's lying to both the girls he's talking to he's lying to his friends evan yes evan is Uh, nice Evan's the only nice one (laughs) yeah this show like made me so triggered (laughs) from the lie it reminded me so much of my like the relationship between steven and lucy like really reminded me of my relationship from college yeah I saw someone's um IG story I think either earlier this week but she was basically like I really like this show but it reminds me of dating guys in college that's exactly what you think they're just lying to multiple girls at the time like telling them what they want to hear and like he doesn't even answer the question half the time but because he says something nice Lucy just ignores it yes um but the scene specifically that really like triggered me and brought me back was where she saw like the condoms in his stand and they were not using condoms which was a little different when I was in college I definitely was using condoms but the guy that I was dating he had um, an opened box and an unopened box in his nightstand and then the next time I went over there there was only one box and it was open wow so he even um, had a lot of sex that's what it uh, looks like right it looks like he had a lot of sex unless he was just giving away condoms right um and so I was like uh, clearly he's sleeping with somebody else yeah which so Lucy I mean it was a little bit of a different situation but it was the kind of like same thing mm-hmm. that she knew from condoms that he had to have been sleeping with somebody else i also find it interesting that he never pulls out a condom for lucy but pulls out condoms for other people yeah like you trust her vagina i guess but not anyone else's but maybe he thinks like she's so obsessed with him that she wouldn't be having sex with someone else even though she has yeah um and then the other thing that really was upsetting is when 
she knew he was lying about something. I think it was in the last episode. It's when she went to the house that was his <laughs> girlfriend's <laughs> family house. Yeah. Um, and she was right. And she, like, tried to confront him about it. And then he turned it onto her. Like, he was gaslighting her. And yeah, was like, that's, that's the scene I was talking about where, because she saw condoms and that's what pissed her off. Is like, they had kind of agreed that they were going to sleep with other people. But, like, obviously that wasn't really what she wanted. So she saw the condoms and got mad and got back in bed. And then was like, you know, why don't you take me to parties? Yeah. <laughs> Which was such a college thing. Like, going to a party together means that you're, like, something yeah but then he turned it around and was like but I take you on dates I spend my money on you yeah like, I don't even have money and I'm spending it on you those dates are expensive I was like but that's not what we're talking about bro exactly <laughs> like I take you places off campus I'm like but you don't take her anywhere on campus which is where people would know you <laughs> yep. and she let you go because he like made her feel sad I was like are you mad at me now I was like bitch you need to be mad at him yeah, when she was like, please don't be mad. I was like, girl, you are Shayla circa 2010. Like, stop. I was like a girl. He's like, he's manipulating you. Like, oh, I take you on dates. I spend money on you off campus. But because I mean, they did go to like some fancy place and had wine glasses and stuff. I was like, oh, this is nice. But also we're talking about going to parties where all your friends know you. Your ex-girlfriend would know you're there. Like her friends would know. And you just don't do it. Every time yeah. there's a party, you don't even mention it exists. Yeah. Um, so did you catch that um, from the first episode that clearly something happens to Wrigley's little brother? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to have happened already. Like, I thought he was going to, like, um, unalive himself, like, from the whole thing like thing but he seems so far in the first four episodes to have like bounced back from yeah. the accident yeah I mean he seems a lot better than he was I think episode three because episode three he seemed a little um like he wanted to unalive himself I think he said like um I don't want to be here anymore or something yeah uh but I mean he seems to have gotten a little bit better yeah but um, clearly something happens because at the wedding um between the other two friends they were like, oh, it's Wrigley's, like, his brother's birthday was yesterday or something. So, clearly something happened. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Like, if I was his brother, like, if I was Wrigley, I guess I would not say anything to anyone. But also, like, someone needs to know. Like, yeah. someone needs to know, like, how the accident happened. Like, she just swerves off the road. Like, we need to know. Need to know well, how it- something there's obviously something more because did you also see steven had pictures of the girl yeah he was fucking her yeah i i'm afraid that steven was there when the accident happened yeah he hasn't told anyone that he was there yeah i'm wondering what's like what's going on with that yeah I mean, he's a liar, so I think that he just lies about everything. So I feel like he was probably there or knows more than people are letting on. Like yeah. On. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. The show is really good. And freaking the girl that plays Lucy reminds me so much of Shailene Woodley. Yeah, I mean, she looks like her. 
yeah she looks like her it's so weird you know it's the actress from um nine perfect strangers yeah you told me that and like now i've i can picture her face because what is she the one is, no never mind but <laughs> i remember you told me that and i kind of can picture her in the show but i still have not finished that show yeah i'm still to this day disappointed from that last episode <laughs> i feel like i was maybe halfway through but I also wasn't like in love with it. I think when you were watching it, you really liked it, but I was like, eh, it's all right. And then I just never finished it. I really liked it until the last episode and they ruined it for me. <laughs> I'll probably finish it eventually just so I can see why you're upset. Yeah, I was like, this? <laughs> this is this how like- we're going to end this show? Is it just like a one season show like it's never coming back? I think so. It was based off of the a novel by the same name, and I it was the same author that did Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. and I think with Big Little Lies they were able to like build on that yeah. to create the second season. But with Nine Perfect Strangers, like the way it ended, I don't really see how they could do a second season. I mean, I guess they could. I don't want to give too much away. Um, like in a sense they could do a second season but I think it would be like different characters okay I mean Uh, from what I remember I could see them doing a second season with completely different characters and kind of storylines yeah just veering off completely but who knows I haven't heard anything about it though so I feel like it's never coming back yeah because everyone was probably disappointed and hated the ending (laughs) dumb uh, I'm sorry. Um, but Tell Me Lies is also based off of a book, and the show yeah. makes me want to to read it. Excuse me. I might read it. It depends on how season one ends and how many lies there are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm I'm excited for the next couple episodes. Yeah. I'm also just... Um, with Lucy, like, she's so obsessed with, what's his name, Steven? hmm But she's also having sex with that bar man, owner person. So, oh, yeah. She still gets upset that Steven is probably having sex with someone. She doesn't technically know who it is right now. But, like, girl, you're also having sex. I think she's doing it out of spite. I mean, kind of, but also she seems like she likes the bar owner i want to call him an owner since his family owns it (laughs) (laughs) um i think that he obviously is the better choice for her at least up until this point but you know at that age you're like drawn to toxicity (laughs) yeah i also wonder how old he is because she's not even old enough to drink technically yet yeah so I wonder how old he is and how old he thinks she is. Because he knows she's in college. Yeah. But I wonder, like, where on the spectrum he thinks she is. Right. Because if he's thinking she's, like, 21, 22, like, maybe about to graduate, but she's a freshman. It's a little, a little awkward. Yeah. I have to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Wrigley and uh, Pippa's relationship? Pippa. I'm confused as fuck on that bitch. <laughs> I don't understand why she even likes him. Like, yeah. He, 
she's a liar too she's a big liar I don't know what the fuck she's lying about she's lying about something mm-hmm. I don't get it but she's lying about all these orgasms she's having because clearly girl you don't like having sex with him because it does not look like she was enjoying that one bit no <laughs> he's like oh I'm about to come she's like oh me too <laughs> I was like you're such a good actress because he believes the shit out of that yeah <laughs> but I don't understand why she's so interested in him like I think she's trying to get information out of him or something like trying to get close to him because like I don't understand why else she would want to keep being around him but then she kind of acts like she likes him as mm-hmm. not sexually but like acts like she likes him like as a person and then gets mad like if other girls are talking to him or something yeah but I don't outside of that like I don't I don't understand her and she's very weird and she's a liar too <laughs> yeah um okay so what do you think about Brie and her whole like losing her virginity um I mean I I mean I probably would have done the same thing she likes the guy so whatever but I don't understand his reaction to finding out that she was a virgin no me either he is an asshole like I could understand it if he found out before they had sex and then was like you know I don't want to take on that responsibility but you already took it at this point yeah and it's like you didn't put any pressure on you like you exactly didn't even, you didn't know it existed you just had sex with a girl yeah <laughs> he was like, like that's, that's so much pressure on me <laughs> I was like but you already did it yeah <laughs> what do you mean? like unless he's thinking like oh she's gonna become obsessed with me because I was her first or whatever but you already were her first so yeah. even keep having sex with her or don't if she's gonna get obsessed with you just because she had sex with you the first time it's still gonna happen yeah so I don't I don't understand like what he's upset about like it already happened yeah so he's like you tricked me into taking your virgin <laughs> I was like sir no she was just a horny teenager and wanted to have sex like yeah I don't think it was that serious no and then she was like so excited well I don't know excited but <laughs> proud of herself like after the first time like she was really feeling yeah. when she took that shower but then <laughs> When she went to go have sex with him again, it wasn't as enjoyable, I guess. No, no it was not. I didn't like that scene. No, it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I really like the show. I um I don't know. I I enjoy shows about like college life. Like I feel like they like TV shows do it a lot, but they don't always do it well. Like, The yeah. Sex Lives of College Girls is also another one that's, like, really good. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah. HBO. Yeah. I'm ready for that one to come back. Yeah. It needs to come back pronto. We could talk about it on the show. Yeah. Um, but I am interested to see, like, what else comes out of the... um. What is her name? I need to find it. The ex-girlfriend? No, the girl that died. Was it Allie? Uh, Macy? Macy, yeah. I'm interested to see what comes from the the Macy storyline. Yeah. I want to know how intertwined everyone's lives are. So I feel like they kind of overlap in some way. Yeah. But everyone doesn't know that they're overlapping, but they do. And that's what I need to figure out. 
Yeah, I just, I thought the novel was more of, like, a romance, like, obviously, like, a toxic romance type yeah. thing, um, but one of um, these people I follow on Instagram, um, and she also has a podcast, they had talked about it on their podcast, and she reads mostly thrillers and stuff. Mm-hmm. and she said after she read it she was like I am unwell so I feel like it doesn't I feel like it's maybe like an overlap of like thrillers and romance and stuff so okay I need some more thrills yeah <laughs> yeah like right now I'm like in the suspense place where I'm just waiting for something to happen and the shoe needs to drop so we can figure out what the fuck is going on well, we're almost halfway through, so I feel like we're getting close to the climax. Yes. Um, okay, well, anything else on Tell Me Lies? Um, I just want to say that I knew that uh, Stephen was going to be a dick and bring Lucy over to that apartment, but I was still shocked when he said, do you want to come over? <laughs> right <laughs> I was like as soon as he walked in and like we saw like how nice the place was I was like he's gonna want to have sex in here and I was like okay he could invite his ex-girlfriend to come and like have sex in her parents place but no he's gonna be a dick and invite Lucy and then he invited Lucy and then she was like I don't know like do you want to have sex in here or whatever and then he brought her to his fucking father's desk so that he could stare at that stupid painting yeah I thought something bad was gonna happen to the painting but it was more of just like a power play, I guess. Yeah, and he touched it after he got off the phone with her. He's like, why would I touch it? And then he goes and fucking touches it. <laughs> I was like, you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. He's not a great person at all. Oh, in his um his internship interview, like as soon as he saw that she was a lady interviewing him, he was like, oh yeah, I got this. And then it blew up in his face when he tried to flirt. I was like, no, she's a grown woman and like has standards and yeah. has some control. Like, yeah. This is her job. Yeah. No, he's your like typical narcissistic asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Not definitely, a fan. Definitely not the greatest person. No. Um, all right, well, that's all I got. I think those are all my hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so homework for next week is the next two episodes. So five and six of both The Patient and Tell Me Lies. Yes. I'm so um, excited. I need to know yeah. what happened. Yes, I'm super excited, too. Um it took a lot out of me not to watch either one of those shows this week. I'm probably going to watch them right now. <laughs> I have some um, other work to do, so maybe I'll hold off for later in the week. I have to post on social media, but something will get watched tonight. <laughs> um, okay, well, are we ready to dive into our interview with BB? Uh, yes. Okay, so we are going to be interviewing B.B. Easton. We actually interviewed her earlier this week, so you'll get to find out what we were drinking when we interviewed her, which is different than what we have now. 
Um, because you know, we're always on cocktails. Gotta say. <laughs> So earlier this week, we had the chance to interview Wall Street Journal bestselling author B.B. Easton. Now, our long-term listeners know we've had B.B. on the show before to discuss her debut novel, 44 Chapters, about four men. 44 Chapters has since been adapted for the screen. Netflix released Sex Life, and it soon became the number three most-watched original series of all time after being viewed in 67 million households within the first month. Season two is currently in the works, so hopefully we will get to talk about it on our show when it drops. Um, In the meantime, BB has released Group Therapy and most recently Devil of Dublin. She's joining our Girls' Night In to chat with us about her latest release, general writing points, and of course, what show she's currently binging. So let's dive in to our interview with BB. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited to have you, BB. Thank you. It's great to be back. I missed you guys. We missed you too. Um, so we always start at the top of the show asking what each other is drinking. So we have to, of course, ask you what you're drinking. Um, at the moment, nothing. But my drink of choice lately has been an old fashioned with a big ass ice cube. That's yes. all I want lately. <laughs> yes. I love old fashions. What about They're you? Um, I've got red wine right now in my skeleton hand. Wine nice. glass. Okay, <laughs> yes. um, I've got a, a Tanqueray gin and soda. Nice. That sounds good. What kind of soda? Um, it's like just orange. Like soda. It's, it's like a like pre-made cocktail oh yeah that's good that's good um okay so we did a little intro about you already but we wanted to know uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself you've got any fun personal facts that you want to share um fun personal facts I guess um probably the biggest thing about me is that I used to be a school psychologist I feel like that's um a really big part of my story and kind of makes me different than a lot of uh, typical romance writers or fiction writers. Um, This is my second career um, and a a lot more fun. And I get to have pink hair and work in my pajamas and I'm really, I'm, I'm digging this. Yeah. I was going to ask if you missed it at all, the school psychology. I miss the kids. I miss the kids. Before I was a school psychologist, while I was in grad school, I was um, a special ed pre-K teacher. I taught kids with autism. And so I've always, and when I was a school psychologist, I had elementary school and some preschool. So I just loved being around little cute kids. And Mm -hmm. I have my own little cute kids, but they're starting (laughs) to grow up and get smelly and get attitudes. And I'm kind of like, I miss preschool. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I do miss it, but I don't miss, you know, all the stress and the red tape and the bureaucracy and all of that at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's one reason. What what were you saying, Elena? No, I can imagine like not dealing with the stress and the red tape, but also I love little small children. So I get that part too. (laughs) I have, I had a letter in my file at work that I wrote begging them to never ever ever give me a middle school or a high school <laughs> like I we don't that's not that's not my calling that's not my gift I yeah. need them to be much smaller than me and cute 
I can't do kids at all that are not like family members or like close friends kids mm. um I worked at a daycare when I was in college thinking that I wanted to do that and I was like no I can't, <laughs> can't do them not at all um okay so can you give us the elevator pitch for your new release Devil in Dublin that's why yeah. we're here we want to hear about it Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. It's really, it's different than my other books. Um, it is dark and gritty and violent, but it's also really sweet and ethereal at the same time. It's this American girl starts when she's a child. She goes to Ireland every summer to see her grandfather who lives on this idyllic, beautiful, lush, green sheep farm in the country in Ireland. And he has these woods behind his house and he tells her all these stories about, you know, magical creatures that live back there. And she goes back there to explore and finds a boy back there who she at first assumes must be a fairy because he's very strange and he doesn't talk. Um, but she just thinks he's magical. And every summer she goes back and seeks him out and she begins to realize the longer you know, the older she gets that he is a human and he uh, is in a really bad situation. He has been um, ostracized. He was abandoned at the village church. The priest took him in and told everyone that he was the son of Satan, that he's possessed and evil. And so everyone stays away from him. So she is the only one who's ever really been nice to him or played with him or treated him like a normal person. So he is just obsessed with her. Um, and then some things happen that keep her away from Ireland until she's 20. So for about eight years, they're separated. And when she comes back, um, they're both adults and their lives look very different. And he has become the monster that everyone in the village always thought he would be. Um, he is now like the most notorious hitman for the Irish mafia and the two of them reconnect and have to fight tooth and nail to try to get back to that place, that magical, beautiful place where they first met. Um, and all of these obstacles are in their way. She's engaged to someone else. Her fiance has come with her to Ireland. He is in the Irish mafia. So it takes this turn and is really dark, mafia romance place um very very suspenseful and they're just fighting tooth and nail to get back to that idyllic magical place where they started and I love it so much I love it so much um but yeah that's a really long elevator ride <laughs> but here we are that's really good I was gonna ask if you said it was darker if it was kind of like uh along the lines of the rain series but it seems like more fantasy driven than that yeah. one yeah it's very similar though I feel like that vibe is it's like us against the world kind of vibe and that's how the rain trilogy which yeah. um people don't know about that that is a dystopian kind of apocalyptic romance mm -hmm. that I wrote before this one and um I love that I just love a couple on the run or like us against the world one of my favorite movies is princess bride um, and even like the fifth element where it's, you know, this couple that you just know is meant to be and you're rooting for them so hard and they have all these obstacles to overcome. And the drama comes from outside the relationship instead of inside. I hate it when couples are like, just can't get out of their own way and they're creating all their own drama. Like just act like 
adults just love each other, you know, <laughs> but when they, when they like are meant to be and the exterior, you know, the external forces are keeping them apart. Oh, that's, that's my stuff right there. Yeah. I like that too. I'm excited to read Devil of Dublin. Very Thank excited. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, like a story I would be interested in. So we know from your first series that you like to base some of your characters on people in your life. So for Double of Dublin, have you created any of these characters based on people you know? Yes, I did not set out to do that. I really thought this one was going to be absolute fiction. But as soon as I started writing about Ireland, my grandfather is Irish. And he just popped onto the page, like fully formed. The grandfather in the story is 100% my grandfather. And then there's a... Kellen's mother, my hero's mother, who's not in the book very much, but her story is very much inspired by my aunt's story. Um, so yeah, I just couldn't, I can't help myself. I always end up making some aspect of my books autobiographical. Yeah. I was wondering, do you ever put any of yourself into your characters or you just kind of like totally separate that? Because I know some authors were like, yeah, I will do that. But then I feel very vulnerable because people are judging me. I mean, I know obviously BB in 44 chapters, but any other characters, have you put any more of yourself in there? I really, you know, at first I didn't think, so I, I only have three heroines other than myself from my autobiographical romances that I've written about. Rain from my dystopian trilogy and I didn't really think she was like me. And then I realized, you know, this is my depressed teenage self. I could really see myself doing a lot of the things and saying a lot of the things and having that kind of apathy back when I was an angsty teen. Um, I'm definitely not that way anymore. But so, yeah, to some extent, Rain, um, Lou from group therapy is kind of the same way. She's kind of that apathetic. I think she's pretty different for me. But I could kind of see that teen angst, although she's a little older, but um, you can see a little bit of that past self there. Yeah. And Darby as a kid, I think, is pretty spunky and probably was a lot like my childhood self, but her adult self, she's she really is has been beaten down by life and is very um, kind of submissive and timid and that's not me. <laughs> so she's pretty different from me as an adult. Okay. Um, so I know you mentioned your grandfather inspired the character of her grandfather in the book. Is there anything in particular that inspired the idea for the book or is it just like stories from your grandfather and you just kind of went and ran with it? it? I think it all started when we moved. We moved last summer into a house in the woods and the view is so beautiful out of every window of this house. I am obsessed with trees. I would live in a tree house very happily for the rest of my life. So this view of just treetops out of every window just made me want to write about some lush, beautiful, ethereal, mystical forest. And then um, whenever I think of, you know, anything mystical and green, my mind just goes straight to Ireland. So that's kind of where the setting came from. And I started there with that setting. That's, it takes me a long time to write a book. So I kind of start with the setting because that's where I'm going to be living for the next three to six months while I'm writing it, you know, 40 hours a week. So I have to really like or be interested in the place. But yeah, I think it's my backyard is what inspired it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. 
So was there any extra research you did for the book or was it just your imagination? so much research I've never done more research for a book um I really because my grandfather is Irish and had all of this Irish pride I really well and just anytime you're writing about a culture that's not your own um I feel like I was raised with that culture but not in that country not with that dialect so it was very important to me that I do it justice and that I get everything right, that I get the dialect perfect and that I get all of the, you know, I was even looking up like, does a mushroom that looks like this grow in County Kerry, Ireland? Like if I was writing about little red mushrooms in the forest, like, I don't know if they have those there. So I went really overboard. I went overboard. Um, but I got the best the best message the other day on Facebook, a woman who has was born and raised in Dublin, still lives in Dublin. You know, half the book takes place in Dublin. And she was like, oh my God, it's like everything. This is where I live. I, she was like, I can't believe you're not Irish. The dialect and the settings and all, you know, I've been to this pub and I've walked through this oh, park wow. and it was, she's like, gush over it. So if nothing else, that was my number one goal. So my research paid off. I haven't had any mafia members contact me to tell me I did a good job with the mafia research, <laughs> but I did a lot of that too. That's good. Uh, so question, were there those red mushrooms in that part? There were, there were, <laughs> thankfully, or I would have had to change it. Yeah, I've never seen an actual red mushroom in real life, and I think that would be super awesome. I've seen a couple in my backyard. Like We have a nature preserve behind our house with a little trail that goes, Oh my God, it's so magical. <laughs> but there are a couple of those little red mushrooms with like the white polka dots. Oh my, oh my like, God. The first house. Yes. I didn't know those were real. <laughs> I didn't either. until we moved here. Um, okay. So what part of the book did you have the hardest time writing? If any. Really, it was like the last 75%. <laughs> Basically, everything after the chapters of them when they're children, that part just flowed so easily because it was all just fun and magical. And I don't know, it just came out of me really easily. And then once they separate and they don't come back together for eight years, I had the hardest time figuring out what I wanted their futures to look like and their adult characters to look like. Um, I did not know at that time that this was going to turn into a mafia romance. Um, I was still kind of wanting it to be more of a fantasy. And um, I had to walk away from the book for about two months. It was when group therapy was coming out. So I was busy doing other things, but I, I it was good timing because I really didn't know where to go with the story. And then once I picked it back up, I was just kind of pantsing the whole thing. I really wanted to let it come about organically. And it was, it was slow and it was, it did not come right away, but once it did, then I had all this research to do because <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about the Irish mafia. Here we go. So yeah, the whole, the whole thing was really hard after they were children, but, um, so worth it. And, and I made it hard on myself, um, cause I wanted it to be perfect. So I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Good. So along with that, what was the most fun part to write? I, so I love the part when they're kids, I love all the forest stuff, but I really liked all of their sex scenes. This couple, like the sexual tension has basically been building since like their adolescence. 
And so anytime these two touch, it is like years in the making. Um, and they both have these really traumatic histories. So it's even more significant anytime they touch. So um, oh, it was like fireworks. It was, And there's all this emotion. I love anytime. Like I can appreciate a love scene that's just for the sake of, you know, physicality. But anytime there's all of that, like tension and emotion and anguish and relief all behind it. Oh, it's so good. So those are fun. Those are a lot of fun. Along with that, I know you had said with group therapy, which is an awesome book, by the way, um, that you waited a long time to like have the sex scene between Lou and the hero of that novel. And you were worried that romance readers were going to like not like it, I guess, yeah. that it took that long to get to the sex scene. Did you do the same thing with this one or does it come sooner in the book? It, it definitely comes sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um... No, well, yeah, that one was tough because she was a therapist in group therapy. So I was like, people need to believe that she's actually trying <laughs> and that she's a good person and wouldn't like throw away her career. Um, so I just didn't have a choice with that one. But people people responded well. Um, but yeah, with this one, these two are they're just made for each other. So they it's also they're kind of the only person who can heal the other one. So physical touch is very important and scary to both of them. So I really kind of almost every scene that they're together and they're alone, they somehow find a way to touch or be intimate because they both need it so badly. So yeah, you, you get a lot more of that with this book. <laughs> um, I know you had mentioned you stepped away for like two months when group therapy was coming out, but overall, how long did it take you to write the book? Not including that break, it was probably six months of just like full-time writing on this book. It was, and I mean, I had plenty of days where I got, you know, half a page down because I did not want to plot this one. I really wanted to return to the way it felt when I first started writing. And I was just, I would just sit down at my laptop and write whatever came to mind. And it was all the surprises that came about from that were so fun and at some point I got into this productivity mode with my career and I felt like I had to plot things and like have structure and all of this. And it just took a lot of the joy out of it. So um, I, I rediscovered that pantsing a book takes a lot longer <laughs> to write, yeah. um, but it was a lot more fun. I'm glad I did it. Good. And how did you come up with the titles? So the title was originally something very different. It was a, a more fantastical, mystical kind of title because when I started the book, it started with this title. I don't want to say what it is because I might use it for something else, um, but I had this great title and it was very, very kind of magical. And I thought that's what the whole book was going to be like this, you know, mystical foresty <laughs> um, and then it took a hard turn into Irish Mafia's romantic suspense territory, but I never changed the title. I still love that title. And my early readers were confused because they read that title and thought it was going to be a fantasy. And then when she first meets, she first meets him and thinks he's a fairy, they thought he was going to be a fairy too, because it had this, you know, fantasy title. So they were like, babe, you're going to have to change this because people are going to get the wrong idea. This is Mafia. So I was like, ah, I don't know. But Kellen's nickname with the mafia is the Devil of Dublin. Um, people don't even know his real name. 
So I was like, well, I call it the devil of Dublin or, you know, just devil of Dublin. Everybody was like, yes, yes, that, that, <laughs> that, do that. So it's like, all right, all right. Um, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I got that feedback. They were absolutely right. Yeah, I I like the title. It's very enticing. It makes me want to read it. Um, so what is your next project? And can we have an idea of when it'll be released into the world if you have any clue? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I wish I knew. I'm such a one track mind. I I cannot. I don't know how authors juggle multiple books or like I'm editing this one and I'm writing this one and you know I'm promoting this one. Um, I can't. I like write the whole thing. I edit the whole thing. I promote the whole thing. And then I stare at a wall for like a month and wonder if I'm ever going to write again because I have no ideas. And then the first one that comes to mind that I'm actually interested in enough to write, that's what happens. So like, it might be completely off brand, pretty much like all of my books. Um, It's just whatever the cosmos beams down during that month of pacing and staring out windows (laughs) is what's coming next. So we'll see. We, it'll it'll be a fun little surprise well they've all been winners so <laughs> surprise for everyone but I like it. Yeah. yeah so if Devil of Dublin were adapted for the screen do you know which characters you want to play main characters I have been thinking about this I don't know um you know honestly I love my my audiobook narrator who plays Kellen is an actor. He, I think he could do it. He is like six foot four. He would have to lose the beard. I don't know how he's going to feel about that. He's so he's basically a professional Viking. He was in Game of Thrones. He was in Vikings, Vikings Valhalla. He just filmed for The Witcher. Um, he's like trained in sword fighting and like combat and stuff. So anytime you need a giant bearded, burly, like medieval era actor, you get Eric Nolan. And, um, but he has the voice of an angel. He has this amazing, he's born and raised in Ireland, lives in Dublin, has this amazing Irish accent. Um, he had never done an audiobook before, but I heard a sample of his voice and was like, that's Kellen. And he did, I mean, the acting, the vocal acting, I can't believe he's never done an audiobook because it's so amazing. So I think, I think he would be incredible. Um, he's already a trained actor, but I don't know for my heroine because she's freckle faced and redheaded and very young. I mean, she's 20. So I don't know of any actresses who fit that description so it would probably be great to just have some unknown right you know, breakout actress yeah I was just thinking when you said freckled and redhead I was like Emma Stone but she's a you know I think a little she's bit getting older. older I know I love her for everything I wanted her for sex life I wanted her like I want her for everything everything I do I love Emma Stone <laughs> um but yes I think she's like my age she might be almost 40 at this point Oh, yeah, but she's, yeah. I mean, she looks 28. Yes. It would be fine. She could do it. I also um, pictured um, the lead that Taylor Swift used for her music video. Oh, yeah. Which music yeah, video? Yeah, yeah. Um, that 10 minute video? Yeah. The 10 oh, the one. Oh, what is the name of that song? I know what you're talking about. The one that was about Jake Gyllenhaal that she yeah. just re released. <laughs> was that Miles Teller's wife? 
Um, is she? I don't think so. Because there was a video that he was in. Mm -hmm. Then his wife was like the bride that. No, it wasn't. Was it that one? Was it that one? No, she Um, did like a 10 minute. It was um, all too well, I think. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll have to look it up. Um, She would be good. I know who you're talking about. She was great in that. Yeah. She kind of fits what you were describing. Boom. Casting. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we're both writers, me and Elena. She does food and lifestyle blogging, and I do fiction writing. So we know keeping a writing routine can be difficult. So can you walk us through your day-to-day writing routine, and specifically for Devil of Dublin? I have a much better routine now that my kids are both in school. Uh, it's glorious. So they get on the bus and then I walk, I just, while I'm at the bus stop, I do a lap around my neighborhood. Um, that's huge for me. Just that quiet time to get some ideas. And a lot of times my husband comes with me cause he works from home so I can bounce ideas off of him. Um, that was great for double of Dublin because, you know, like I said, I tried not to plot this one. So that morning lap, it's like two miles was enough time for me to like brain dump out loud everything I was thinking and my husband actually used to manage a movie theater when I first met him and he saw every movie that came out for like a 10-year period of time every single movie so he's so good at story at identifying like I can't watch anything with him without him being like "Mm, he's gonna be the killer she's gonna leave her husband he like he can see it all coming so he was really helpful for that process and then I would go home eat something, meditate for 20 minutes, which is also crucial for me to kind of shut my brain off. And then I write until I have to physically stop, like until it is dinner time and I have to feed myself or die. (laughs) And even in that like long ass eight hour stretch, like I said, some days I would get, you know, half a page. I average like a thousand words a day. It's agony. It's terrible. It's joyous, glorious agony, but it's so slow. I'm the, I'm the slowest, Ugh. <laughs> but, but I do love having that routine. It, it is really psychologically nice to help you kind of drop into that mode. Yeah. I think a thousand words a day is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so because that's the best I can do. Sounds like a lot. So yeah. So along with your routine, is there anything specific you need in your writing space to get going? Or do you just like to be alone and quiet? Yes, that and that. Like (laughs) silence and solitude is exactly what I need. I don't know how people write in coffee shops or like seek out public places to write. That is so psychotic (laughs) to me. I'm like, who are these? Who are these freaks? I have to be, it is like... It is like a bodily function for me. Like, can you use your imagination? Any other bodily function? I cannot do it with an audience. I have to mm-hmm. have just a cone of silence and zero distractions in order to write. Um, I, and it's so cool. And I love how I love how different everybody is. It's really fascinating to me. But yeah, no, I gotta have just absolute sensory deprivation. Yeah, if I was uh, in public, I would need noise-canceling headphones. Like, people watching would be fun, but hearing people would be bad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like I like it. Really? I can, like, eavesdrop on people and get ideas for scenes and things like that. Or even if I'm at home in my office, 
I have to have like music in the background but I can't do music with lyrics though that gives me like classical music um Mm -hmm. that I can listen to but yeah I can't do complete silence if I do complete silence then I'm staring at the wall and nothing's happening if I hear words I'm going to start typing the words I hear versus like what's in my head I do that yeah good (laughs) (laughs) and still dialogue (laughs) Um, how do you celebrate when you finish a book? I, I have many, I'm a big, I'm a big champion of celebrating in all of its forms. I think it's psychologically important. Um, it's just good for you, especially when old fashions are involved with giant ice cubes. Um, but yeah, that's mine. So when I finish the first draft, I feel like, oh, I'm done. And then I drag my family out to eat someplace nice where I can get an old fashioned with a giant ice cube in it. And then I get through edits and I feel like, okay, now I'm really done. And then I want to go out to eat and get a giant cocktail with a giant ice cube in it. And then the book comes out and we have to do it all over again. So we celebrate like three to seven times for every book that I write. And they all involve fancy cocktails and giant ice cubes. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> like, oh, act one is done. We got to go. Come on, get uh-huh. in the car. <laughs> yeah. So with group therapy, starting off with a screenplay that was converted into a novel and then your experience with 44 chapters being adapted, do you have any advice you could give writers who are wanting to write their own screenplay? Yes. Yeah, so I really thought, you know, I've kind of surveyed the landscape and especially during the pandemic, I felt like people were reading less and watching TV more. Like people just needed to completely zone out. And I thought, you know, maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe I want to write more for the screen um, and less in novel form. I also had a very hard time writing during the pandemic. Just in general, my kids were out of school for like nine months. So I, and I'm, I was, I'm a former school psychologist, former teacher. So I was at the dining room table with them, making sure they were on task. Like I basically couldn't work. And when I did sit down and try to write, the only thing I could get out was just dialogue. I could not world build. I couldn't, I just couldn't get deep enough to really do all the, all the things you need to do to write a novel, but I could write just banter between these two characters And after beating my head against a wall and trying and trying, I realized this might be a screenplay because screenplays are basically just dialogue. You get like three lines about the scene and then you're in dialogue mode. So that got me excited. I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And it can be a thing when I'm done. I'm not failing at writing a novel. I'm learning how to write a screenplay. So I did. And I'm in the process of trying to get it made right now and pitching it and getting representation for it. And what I have learned is that producers and studios actually really prefer novels. <laughs> they don't want your unsolicited screenplay. They want a book that has, you know, intellectual property that has an audience, um, is much more marketable. And then they have their screenplay writers that they like to work with and they want to use them. So they actually were much more excited when I said, I have a book too. I don't know if that helps. And they were like, really? But is it like really different? I was like, no, it's the same story. They were like, oh, we should leave with that. (laughs) I'm glad I turned it into a book um, because that's really more along the lines of what they're looking for. So uh, 
my advice would be do not feel like you have to go learn how to write screenplays if you want to get something made. Um, really the best I had with, with sex life, when 44 chapters about four men got optioned, it was because I found a talent manager. It actually was not an agent. Um, it was a talent manager in LA who, who didn't even really work with authors. He mostly worked with actors, musicians. It was a wrong phone. It was a wrong number. I thought I was talking to an agent. This guy turned out to be a talent manager. Um, but that turned out to be the best thing because he, uh, had some great connections and was able to get this thing made. So that's my other piece of advice. It's just, you never know where that contact is going to come from. Mine was literally a wrong number or not a wrong number, but you know, a friend of mine was like, Oh, I found this guy. He's, he's an agent. And he turned out to be a talent manager, which is very different. Um, But he had some great connections and we struck up a conversation and hit it off. So um, just kind of, be networking, knock on doors. If you've got, you know, a social group, have all of them ask their friends. You know, the I got that guy's number because a friend of mine who is actually Sarah Snow from the book or Sasha from the show, um, she knows everybody. She was like, I'm going to find you an agent. She went to a wedding and was schmoozing with people and met this lady who was an editor. And she asked her if she, I mean, like, just have people out talking to, just be talking to people and just knock on doors and eventually, you know, not desperately, but just kindly like, Hey, what's up? What do you do? Do you know any of these people? Um, and sometimes you'll just go down the right rabbit hole and find what you're looking for. And it might come from a really unexpected place, but yeah, do not quit your day job to try to learn how to screenwrite. (laughs) There are people who do that better than you. Um, Just write the best story you can and then talk to as many people as you can. Well, that was good advice. Um, Okay. So besides an old fashioned with a big ice cube. (laughs) What is your favorite writing snack or drink? I eat an embarrassing amount of white cheddar popcorn every day. I go through, my husband has to buy them in bulk. They arrive in giant boxes from Sam's club. I go through half of, you know, the big, big bags of that white cheddar popcorn. I go through half of one of those a day. So I eat one of those every other day. It just sits next to me at the computer and I'm just hand to mouth the entire time. Um, that's, it. that's, it is a necessity. So what, what do you do about the cheddar powder on your fingers and typing on the keyboard? Oh, Oliver, it's disgusting. <laughs> that's part of the embarrassment. It's so bad. Well, actually I'm pretty good at typing one-handed. So I type with my right hand and do all the eating with my left hand, but it still, it still gets around. It's, you know, it's, it's not pretty. (laughs) Okay. So when was the last time you Googled yourself and what did you find? What was the last, oh, I Googled myself. I don't really Google myself that often, but I Google my husband a lot just to make sure he's very shy and doesn't want to be, um, publicly known as Ken Easton or the inspiration for Cooper on sex life because he has a corporate job and he doesn't want that coming up in conversations at work. Um, Like he manages lots of people. So, but my readers are incredibly respectful whenever he comes to signings with me. And the only reason he's able to do that is because 
everyone is so incredibly protective of him and respectful and people don't take pictures and post them. Um, but I do Google every once in a while his name just to make sure that he's not all over the interwebs and I didn't know it. Um, but it's amazing how I love this community because they really are just so protective and respectful of the people that they love. And if you're in, you know, if they feel like you're one of them, then, and I started out as a reader, um, they just, it's such a, it's my happy place. I love, I love it. But my kids Google me, actually. My daughter um, asked me the other day, she said, she likes to say that I'm 36. I am perpetually 36. I'm 40 now. I am perpetually 36 to her. And um, when it was my birthday, she was like, but you're 36. And I was like, why do you think I'm 36? She's like, because the internet says you're 36. <laughs> Evidently, I did an interview four years ago and somebody asked my age and I said 36. And so now if you Google like BB Easton age, that interview pops up. So to her, that is gospel. Like I will be 36 forever because that's what the internet says. And I'm good with that. I'm great with that. Forever <laughs> 36. <laughs> Um, okay, so as a TV show review podcast, we have to obviously talk about Sex Life. <laughs> Do it. Um, yeah. We both loved it. We watched it. We binged it within like a couple of days. So can you share with us your thoughts on the finished product? I love that show. Um, it was such a roller coaster because I really was not part of the process. Um, they... They were such a pro team. Like they had such great writers on that show and Netflix's schedule was so intense that they had to have a script for every episode, like every other week. They had to submit a script. The next week they would do revisions on the script. The next week they would submit a script and Netflix would approve it, you know, week by week. So they just got in there and were balls to the wall the whole time. And so by the time I got to see the finished product. It was all of the scripts at once. And it was just wild to see what I, I really look at it like fan fiction. Um, if you're in, not everybody knows what fan fiction is, but you know, the romance community knows where it's like, you take, you take something you love and then usually you just add sex. You know, it's like you love Harry Potter or you love Twilight, but then like, wouldn't it be great if it was also BDSM? Like that's how 50 Shades of Grey came about, you know? So I really, it's like, I look at it like the 50 shades version of 44 chapters about four men. Like they took that book, which is really a, a rom-com it's steamy, but it's lighthearted. And they went like 50 shades with it. They were like, you know, yeah, but what if it's like super kinky and also, uh, like dark and dramatic and they're rich and it takes place in Manhattan. It's like, all right, all right. I'm down with that. That's <laughs> sexy. Um, so I was on the edge of my seat, like everybody else watching those episodes because I, I had read the scripts, but like still didn't really know what the execution was going to be like. And they did change some things by the time it finally, um, you know, was in, in film on tape, whatever, um, <laughs> in my eyeballs. And so, I mean, my husband and I got to watch early and I was like white knuckling the couch the whole time because it was so dramatic and so, um, just sexy and gorgeous and, um, suspenseful. Like, ah, it was some good TV, man. That was some, I, I was up till three in the morning. I could not stop, could not stop watching. 
So I'm thrilled with the way it turned out, even though it's very different from the book, I just wanted them to make the best show they could. And I knew after I read those scripts, I was like, this is going to be a damn good show. And it was a damn, it was number three, the third most watched Netflix original series when it came out. So I think, I think they made some good choices. Yeah, it was super good, especially that one scene. (laughs) (laughs) That one scene, that episode three, 19 minute, 40 second scene. Yes. Um, I did not know that scene was going to be for our pleasure as well. I read the script that Cooper's character was going to see what the entire audience turned out getting to see, but I did not expect that. So that was, that was a fun little treat. (laughs) It was. (laughs) So is there anything you can tell us about season two coming up? Season two. So like I said, I really didn't get to know much about season one until it was done. And then I got all of the scripts. So season two is done. It has been filmed. It's a wrap. And they have not even sent me the scripts. It is under so much secrecy. I I don't know if I was like a blabbermouth after season one or if I'm being punished or what, but um, my producer called and he gave me some update. He kind of told me where, what direction they were going in. And then he would not tell me the ending. He said he wanted me to be surprised. So no one has sent me the scripts. I know I am in the dark. I know that they kept all of the original cast members and they're introducing a whole lot more. So the world is expanding. Uh, which I think is a good sign that they're, you know, building this, building this community out. This mm-hmm. show's um, ecosystem is growing. Um, but yeah, I, I do not even know what's going to happen. So that is probably for the best. They didn't tell me because I would, I would just, <laughs> I would just tell you we're friends. I'd just tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just waiting on a release date from Netflix now. So hopefully soon we'll all get to find out together. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is if you knew when it was coming out, because I can't, I don't know if they had announced it or not, but I just read an article today on Cosmo about Sarah Shahi and uh, Adam Damos and how they're a real life couple. I was like, they are, and they're the cutest couple you've (laughs) ever seen. He's like six foot three or four and she's like five, two. He is (laughs) at least if he's 12 to 14 inches taller than her and like two feet wider she is just like a toothpick they are the oh my god they are so cute and so sweet my husband and I got to have dinner with them she was in Atlanta filming Black Adam and um we all got together and they are just like so precious I love that they're still together I love it I want the two of them to be in group therapy I'll see what I can do about that yeah that would be good that'd be good they have the most amazing chemistry on screen oh my god (laughs) well that might answer my next question then was which of your other books would you most like to see adapted next yeah probably group therapy because that's the one I'm actively working on but I have always wanted to see praying for rain on screen that one was a movie in my head as I was writing it and devil of Dublin too those are both very cinematic visual worlds um, I would love to see, re- I mean, oh, praying for rain, I really think would be so much fun because it's got that like Hunger Games divergent vibe, but then it's a romance. Everything's better when it's a romance. Um, <laughs> so I really, I would love to see that one next, but yeah, group therapy right now. That's my, that's my focus. Yeah, I, mean, you I mean, you're describing what? 
Brooklyn, I would definitely picture it as a movie in my head. So good, good. Yeah. Oh, I think it would be so great. It's just Ireland is so pretty. It's just and you go from the country all the way to um the gritty kind of underbelly of Dublin. So you get this like juxtaposition from that like nighttime inner city vibe to the daytime, beautiful rolling hills and trees. And mm, it would be so, it would be so pretty. Well, fingers crossed that all of the stuff gets turned into things on the screen. (laughs) Yeah. I need to go make a vision board. Yeah. See if I can get stuff done. <laughs> okay, so are there other books and authors that have inspired you to become a writer? Absolutely. Um, I actually, when I first, I wasn't much of a reader until I had my second kid. And at that point, I had a smartphone and I was able to read on my phone at night while I was nursing her because you can't, you know, I wanted to keep it dark. And I couldn't read by lamplight, but by then I could read on my phone and it just opened up this whole world. That's how I stayed awake in the middle of the night. And I would go back and forth between reading comedic memoirs and like all that angsty, steamy new adult romance that came out in like 2013, like Jay Crownover and Abby Glines and Colleen Hoover. And that was such a huge genre. And so this back and forth of like funny, self-deprecating humor like Jenny Lawson and David Sedaris and Chelsea Handler, and then steamy bad boy, new adult romance. And it was like, so I, I wanted both. It was the same. It was like, I like dystopian stories. I like romance. I'm going to put them together. Um, I like mafia stuff. I like romance. Let's put them together. It was like, I like comedic memoirs. I like romance. Let's put those together. So I started writing this. Uh, I mean, really, it was just journal entries um, about my ex-boyfriends, but the voice that I used while I was writing was a very comedic memoir, first person kind of voice. Mm-hmm. And it ended up turning into, you know, a five book series, but it was, it was those, those two influences that really got me to start writing my own stories down. Uh, and our last final question is what are you currently reading and, or currently watching on TV? I am on a fantasy kick. I really, it started with the pandemic. I was never a huge fantasy reader until the pandemic hit. And I was having trouble just getting into anything. I couldn't turn my mind off. And it wasn't until I started A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss that I was able to disappear into a book because that world is so different from my own that you can just, and her world building is amazing. And I devoured that series. And then I, so now I'm trying to read her Crescent City series. And I say trying because I'm in the middle of a book release. So I have no time, but once all this is over, I'm going to finish that. And um, I've been watching House of the Dragon as along with the rest of the world and um, the Sandman on Netflix, which is also fantasy. So a lot of fantasy. What is the Sandman about? Are you watching that, Elena? I'm not, but it's on my list. So it was inspired by, do you know who Neil Gaiman is? He's a famous, yeah. So Neil Gaiman wrote a comic book series. 
I think it's called the Sandman, but he's a character in this comic book series and they tried to bring it to life um, in a TV show. I've never read the comics, so I don't know um, how different the format is, but um, I think the Sandman is kind of like the narrator throughout and he kind of connects all these different stories that are kind of dream world type stories. Um, so it is a fantasy and there are all these a lot of it is based in the real world though, um, with human characters and stuff, but, um, it's pretty interesting. It's out there and it's very, I love out there. I love anything that's just creative and different and it's, it's that for sure. Well, if it's from him, then I'll definitely have to check it out yeah. because I love Coraline. Like that yes. is one of my all time favorites. I used to have masterclass a subscription to masterclass. I've watched all of the stuff about writing, so I don't have that subscription anymore, but Neil Gaiman's was my favorite masterclass ever. When he looks at you, you feel like you were looking into the eyes of God. <laughs> he is just such a magical, he has this soft speaking voice and they put him in this like dimly lit library type setting. And he just stares into the camera and like speaks into your soul. And I don't even remember anything he told me, but I just sat there with like my glass of wine and just let Neil Gaiman speak to me and like, bless me with his presence every night <laughs> I highly recommend it okay yeah I was wondering if his was good and I really <sighs> wish they could find a way to get Stephen King on there yeah yeah they would sell four million bajillion masterclass subscriptions yes yeah they would <laughs> um okay so before we wrap up this is your time to shine do you want to plug anything your socials of course devil of Dublin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What am I? Yeah. Just Devil of Dublin. And actually this is my first release in Kindle Unlimited in a long time. I started in Kindle Unlimited. And then after the show came out, I moved my books wide. And um, I really feel like, you know, with the economy and the pandemic and everything, I was like, I want to make something available uh, for people who have that Kindle Unlimited subscription. So if you want to check it out and you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can read it for free. Uh, the audio narration is also fantastic. Eric Nolan with the Irish accent. Oh my God. <laughs> so I think you can get a free trial for Audible. So if you don't have Audible and just want to hear his accent, like you might be able to do that for free with a free trial. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm so proud of this story. I, I love it. I'm so happy with the way it turned out. So um, thank you guys for having me on to talk of about course. it, especially with you being a TV, <laughs> a TV podcast. <laughs> um, this is really sweet. It's so great to see both of you. Thanks. Well, we both love books, so we yeah. can talk about books anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Sex Life Season 2. Hopefully that will be out soon. Yes, yeah. we'll have to cover it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. We'll let you go so you can head over to your IG live. Thank you. It's great to see you. You too. Thanks for being here. And good luck with grad school. Congrats. You're almost done. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that was a great interview with BB. Yes. She's really fun to talk to. Yes. Um, she, even though we have moved more towards TV shows, we will continue to have her on the show if she wants to be on here. Yes. I mean, she is basically pop culture. She's got books and TV shows at this point. So 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's got pink hair. Yeah. <laughs> pink hair. Obviously, you're coming on the show. Right, exactly. Um, which I actually found someone to dye my hair. So I'm excited. Is it gonna be pink? No, I can't have pink hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. It'll be a natural color, just not my natural color. So orange. <laughs> mm, maybe. Good guess. <laughs> um okay, well, again, your homework for next week is the next two episodes of the patient and tell me lies and tell the peeps what they need to be doing you need to um subscribe and follow and rate us and review us because we need to get very popular <laughs> yes <laughs> um because we doing lots of work okay yeah <laughs> um and then very much appreciate huh we would very much appreciate their love Yes, we would. And then where can where can the peeps find you? Um, they can find me at Eat Shop Do ATL on the gram and the Twitter and the TikTok and Facebook and wherever else you want to look for me. I'm probably there. <laughs> um, and I'm at Shay Appleby on Twitter and Instagram and also on TikTok, but there's like an underscore in there. Oh, yeah. She's there. Um, and I've been posting more on TikTok and Reels, so come find me. Reels, finally. Ugh. Get with the program. I have to make myself look decent. (laughs) I mean, yes. You could just go on there looking disheveled. People might like that. (laughs) I just used a filter when I recorded <laughs> yesterday I was gonna put makeup on it and I was like no there's such things as filters that's what I'm doing uh, you could have the whole makeup filter on with some lashes and some lipstick and everything that's what I did yeah perfect <laughs> nobody needs to know you don't have to actually do your makeup anymore for- <laughs> exactly it even made my eyes a little like this <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> um okay well that's all I got that's it um, if y'all heard any clickety clacks or any yawning, that was my dog. <laughs> yes, it was not my dog because he's dead. Uh, <laughs> sad, sad way to end the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. Frank is looking down on us and wagging his tail and laughing the way dogs laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Probably upset he's not clicky clacking around on himself. He was the biggest clicker clacker. <laughs> Even if we cut his nails, I guess it was just the way he walked. He would still clicky clacky everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, anywho, R.I.P. Frank. <laughs> R.I.P. Frank. <laughs> and cheers. Cheers.